thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Well, they, uh, they gave me word that the grills didn't get fired up as well, and so I've got to preach till 1.30. I hope that's all right with you. I'm going to do my best. Uh, no, it's, a, it's an honor and a delight to be here with you. Um, I met your pastor this morning for the first time face-to-face. We've, we've talked on the phone several times. I know Paxton really well. We've been up on the mountain in Red River, New Mexico, seeking God with a, about 250, 300 men uh, several summers, and it's been just a joy to be a part of his life. But I'll tell you what, I met your pastor this morning, and uh, Jeff is just contagious with the kingdom of God. He loves Jesus Christ with all of his heart. And then I, I met his beautiful wife, M- Melissa. I said Michelle in the first service. So you just have to pardon me. I'm almost 60 years old. And uh, so Melissa and, and Jeff are just uh, a joy to, to be around. And I love their spirit and their heart. It's Father's Day. I think it's appropriate for you as a congregation to give it up for the Father of the house and his bride. Come on, let's give it up for them here on Father's Day. I, uh, I love being from Texas. Matter of fact, it's a small world because as Jeff and I got to talking, I was born in Athens, Texas. And uh, some of you may know he uh, grew up in Athens, played baseball for the Athens Hornets, and uh, did real well, let him go play baseball at uh, East Baptist College, is that right? Okay. And, uh, you know, just the East Texas people have invaded West Texas. You're just going to have to live with it. Um, but I do have a little consolation for you. I, I was in Hereford for about seven years, so I understand the white faces a little bit. And I understand that when the wind blows the wrong direction in Hereford, it's, it's trouble. If you've ever been there, you know what I speak of. I love my Texas heritage because, how many of you know, we have a, we have a cowboy heritage as part of the Texas heritage. And I love cowboy wisdom. And I wanted to share a little bit with, with you this morning before we get started in the message. A little cowboy wisdom. How many of you would enjoy that? Two of you. Man, this is a real responsive crowd. Old cowboy said, you know, if you find yourself in a hole, first thing to do is stop digging. Cowboy says, never miss a good chance to shut up. Because letting the cat out of the bag is a whole lot easier than putting the cat back in the bag. I mean, you know, there's some wisdom right there. And, of course, you probably heard a couple of these. Never kick a cow patty on a hot day. Always drink upstream from the herd and never squat with your spurs on. (laughs) And the last one I'll give you this morning is never slap a man on the back when he's chewing tobacco. So, cowboy wisdom. I want to share some wisdom I hope with you today. My desire is to bring an impact here. I'm not here just for a visit. I believe God sent me here. I'm 
I believe I'm here on assignment, and I want to talk to you about the impact of fathers. Not because it's just a Father's Day message, but because uh, one of the core essence of who I am is that God's called me to be a father to the fatherless. And it's an amazing story that I'll share with you here in just a minute. But, you know, we have a plight uh, of fatherhood in America. And some of it is reflective of the history of America. When you think about the history of America as we were settled, we were a nation that was a very strong rural community. And in that setting, fathers mentored their sons and their daughters. Fathers were consistently around their children, uh, in their home, with their spouse. And then the industrial age came along in America, and fathers began to leave the rural community and began to move to the city and become company men in the industrial industry that was so rampant at that time. What happened, though, was uh, as he moved into the companies, he began to abdicate some of his father responsibilities to his wife and I just want to tell you this femininity can arouse masculinity but femininity can never affirm masculinity bottom line is it takes a man to call a man into manhood and we began to lose some of that essence world war ii happened and uh there was a tremendous onslaught on the men of our nation because the average age was about 18 to 24 as men went into military service. And if you've ever seen that movie Saving Private Ryan and that, that assault on the beaches of Normandy and you think about living through that and the emotional impact of that on men at that time. And so we moved into a culture of what I call the John Wayne culture. That men don't cry. Men don't show emotions. Men basically bark. Commands. And that began to have an impact, again, an erosion on the essence of fatherhood and the impact of fathers in our nation. You add to that the feminist movement that began to move into our culture. And I'm not against women by any means. But the feminist movement began to move, and really it goes back to Genesis, the curse of Eve, as she began to want to usurp the authority and the calling of her husband. And as femininity began to have impact, how many of you know we have gender crisis today? Men are in crisis as to what manhood is really all about. And when I'm in crisis as a man, I'm in crisis as a dad, as a father. Then you, then you move into the technological age and, and begin to have separation and isolation as a part of our culture. You, you drive into your garage, you stay in the air-conditioned house, uh, you go in and the kids go to their room with their computer, you sit at the, maybe at the desk with your computer, and there's an isolation uh, that's rampant in our nation. And a matter of fact, one of the greatest diseases of our nation at this time is loneliness. It's really capsulated when you think about uh, an incident that I was involved in here several months ago. I sat at a table with, with about six to eight teenagers. And as we're sitting there preparing to have dinner, the teenagers are texting each other across the table. Okay? Now, I know... That's a part of our culture. But the thing about it is it begins to 
tear down the personal communication where you look eye to eye and you speak into each other's life. There's something about speaking the power of words. And so today as we look at fathers, I want to take us back and look at the law of first beginning. But before I do, I want to give you some staggering statistics just to consider today as we look at the impact of fathers. Today in our nation, over 25 million kids, that's 33% of kids under the age of 15 are living in a fatherless home. So what's the big deal with that? Well, when you begin to consider that 63% of youth suicides, 71% of pregnant teenagers, 90% of all homeless and runaway children, 70% of juveniles in state-operated institutions, 85% of rapists motivated with displaced anger, 71% of all high school dropouts, 75% of all adolescents in chemical abuse centers, and 85% of all youth sitting in prison are all from fatherless homes. And so you have lyrics in songs that are lyrics that reflect the, the impasse in our nation between fathers and their children. In, lyrics like, my dad, he gave me a name, And then he walked away. Lyrics like, do you remember me, the son that you conceived? Lyrics like, daddy, don't leave. Don't leave us here alone. In his book, Who's Who's Your Daddy Now? Doug Stringer quotes a young 16-year-old teenage girl. She says this, there are times when I feel like the title of father is the worst name that God could give himself. What a stupid idea when father in my world simply means rejection. And so that's the crisis of fatherhood. That's the crisis of manhood in our nation. But I believe we as the church, as the body of Christ, that we can turn that around. And so today, what I want to do is I want to take you to a biblical principle called the law of first mention. The law of first mention is this. If you want to understand any topic in the Bible, you go back and you find the very first place that that topic was mentioned in Scripture. And there you will have the core idea or the core reality of what that is. And so, if we're going to look about the law of first mention in consideration of men, we have to go back to the book of, you can say it, Genesis, right? Genesis is the book of origins. So as we go back and we look at Genesis, we look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, and it says that God formed Adam from the earth. We look a few verses later in verse 22, and it says that God formed Eve from Adam's rib. And so as I consider the law of first mention, I've got to consider the fact that in God's order of family culture, he created the man first. I know that's probably going to shake some people up in here today, but I, I can't help it. I didn't create man and woman. God did. 
And in the law of first mention, there was some there were some characteristics and some calling that God had upon Adam that he didn't have upon Eve. And so when we consider that, we understand that Adam is the foundation of the family. Now, the foundation is no, no better than the building, right? As a matter of fact, when you consider the foundation, the foundation is kind of ugly and blah, right? Am I right? It's what's built that we, that we have all of our woos and awes about. Oh, that's a beautiful you know, wall that you have painted there, whatever. But a man is called to be the foundation of the family. And when you consider that, you might ask yourself the question, then how does a man establish the foundation in his home? And the answer is simple. He, he establishes it the same way that our Heavenly Father established the foundation so that mankind could exist. And how did he do that? He did it by speaking. He spoke the world into existence so that he could put a human race on that planet, right? So he spoke, and as he spoke, he created the things that were necessary for humankind to be able to prosper and grow and fulfill his purpose. And men as dads, the highest calling that he's given us is to be the foundation of our home, and the way that we establish that foundation is that we begin to declare the word of the Lord to our families, the scripture tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit of it. And so if you have an understanding of the law, of the foundation principle of speaking life over your family, then you begin to understand that your words are significant and your words are important. You see, there are three cries from this generation. There's a cry for affirmation that says specifically really to fathers, say that you believe in me. There's a cry for acceptance. Tell me that you love me. There's a cry for approval. Let me hear that you believe in me. Validate me by your words. Without a father's voice and without a father's foundation, I want to tell you something. What we've created in our culture are orphan spirits. An orphan spirit is one that assumes rejection first. And as a result of that, it strives competitively to earn acceptance. An orphan spirit is one that's filled with insecurity. And in order to validate its identity, it, it has to default to comparison. I have to compare myself to someone less than me so I have a sense of validation of who I am. Because I don't have a father's voice in my world telling me that my life matters. An orphan spirit is one that's empty of self-worth. And as a result of that, it's always seeking to become something other than what it is. And so it's always compromising its life in order to come into a place of significance. Isn't that a sad situation? That our sons and our daughters are being spoken to by the world. And they are such 
an orphan spirit in our nation right now that our sons and our daughters are always in a flux of compromise because they don't understand who they are because they don't have a father that is speaking into their life the word of the Lord and validating them as sons. Even Jesus Christ needed this. On the day of his baptism, when he was raised up out of that baptismal water, there was a voice that sounded from heaven, and it said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. The Father of heaven and earth has never forfeited his role to be a foundation in our life. Amen? So this morning as we consider that, that Adam was to be the foundation, we also look at Scripture, and in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, we understand that Adam was the very first person to meet God. Adam was the very first person to have an encounter with God. And so what does that speak to us, men? It speaks to us that there's a call on our life to be leaders spiritually in our homes and in our families. But through the erosion of the years, we have abdicated spirituality to our daughters and our wives. And that's why you walk into many churches in our nation and there's a feminist, there's a feminine type of environment there. It's lovey, gooey, ushy, mooey. I love the fact that you have a man's man who's leading this church and he's calling men into manhood and as these men came before service and began to humble themselves and, and prostrate themselves before the Lord then God begins to speak in that community and there's health and life that's why this church is growing and flourishing because men are stepping up and being men of God because if I'm going to be the foundation of my of my family, am I going to speak into their life? I have to speak the words of life. And to get the words of life, I've got to be in the presence of God. Jesus himself modeled this in that he went apart on many occasions to be with God and to be apart with the Father. And then as he came, he said, I only speak the things that I hear my Father speak. I only do the things that I see my Father do. Oh, that men, oh, that fathers would give themselves to the presence of God in such a manner that we would hear the word of the Lord and that we would come and we would declare that word to our families and heal our land. The healing of our land will start in our homes as fathers step up and be the men that God have called them to be. Amen? Now, Adam, he failed in that. We know that. We know the fall. But Psalms chapter one. Psalms 145 verse 4 says this one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare make clearly known your mighty acts this is a commission of one generation to another and fathers are to lead in this and to declare make clearly known your mighty acts to the next generation now Israel failed in this as well in Judges chapter 2 verse 10 most tragic scripture in in the Bible it says and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers 
And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Adam failed. Israel failed. But I'm here to tell you there's good news. Jesus did not fail. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How could he say that? Because he had been in the presence of the Father and he heard the Father speak and he declared the word of the Lord. Again, let me give you some staggering statistics. If a child gets saved, there's a 3.5% chance that his family will also get saved. If a mother gets saved or a wife gets saved, 17% chance that the rest of the family will get saved. But if a father gets saved, if a father gets saved, 93% chance that the rest of the family will follow him into the kingdom of God. That's what happens when we don't fail in our lives. Amen? So he was the foundation. He was the first to meet God. And lastly, Adam, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 22, when the rib was taken from his side, he was the first man to ever meet a woman. And when he named her, he started to say, Whoa, man. But he ended up naming her Eve. Here's what I want to say to you. Husbands, when you love your wives, that wedding vow that you took, as Christ loved the church, you put the love of God in, th in a 3D movie for your children. When a husband loves his wife, it's one of the greatest things that he can do because it's a demonstration of everything that he declares in his home to his children. Recently, we celebrated my wife's 60th birthday. Matter of fact, it was about a week ago. And something that we do as a family, we, we started this many years ago. When we, when we get together, my, my son and daughter-in-law and our three grandsons live in Los Angeles my daughter and son-in-law live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. But when we get together, we will take some time, and as a family, we will speak words of life and words of encouragement to each other. And so my wife's love language is words of affirmation. And so she said, what I want for my birthday is I want words of affirmation. And so we went around, my son, my daughter-in-law, and... At this particular time, we invited our oldest grandson, who's seven years old. This will be the first time that he's participated in this family event. But in order for him to be a man, he's got to see a man in action. And so we invited him to come in, and he spoke. And, and then my daughter and my son-in-law, they spoke. And then it came my turn. And I began to just communicate to the beautiful Rose of Texas how much I love her, how much she means to me. If you follow me on Facebook, you're going to see that. It's a constant theme of my life. The beautiful rose of Texas. Love her with all my heart. I love her to the core. And I, as I'm, I'm just doing this, it's just part of what we're doing. And I didn't realize that over here my seven-year-old grandson's crying. My son and my daughter-in-law are crying. My daughter and my son-in-law are crying. 
I think my mom was probably even crying because she was there. This is one of her first-time events. By the way, this is my beautiful mom. Will you stand up? This is Wilma Page, 84 years young right there. And so you just put the, you just put the movie in front of your kids when you love your wives. These are the things that we're called to do, men. This is what the law first mentioned. That's how we're defined. We're not defined by this culture. We're defined by the word of the Lord. We're called to lead and lay the foundation. We're called to be spiritual in our homes, and we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Now, growing up, that wasn't the case in my life. My dad abandoned us when I was about five years old, and... Um, it was a pretty rough journey from that point on. At the age of 12, my dad and mom tried to get back together. It didn't work. My dad said, if you leave, you're not my son anymore. From the time I was 12 till I was 17, I never saw my dad. As a matter of fact, I knew that my dad had bought me a, a 410 shotgun for my birthday, for my 12th birthday. And because I left, I never got that 410 shotgun. Instead, what I got was a last child support check with in the memo said paid in full like he'd paid me off like one of his cows there are many other scenarios i think about the fact that i i i i married the beautiful rose of texas 75 miles from my dad's house and he wouldn't make that trip to be at our wedding now i'm not trying to throw him under the bus i'm just trying to tell you that there was a broken man who had never been healed, who had never understood the Father's love for his life and never understood the mandate and the calling on his life to raise a son in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And so there was a deficit in my life as I grew up, as I began to try to relate to God. How many of you could see there's a gap there? There's a lack of trust. There's a, there's a suspicion about his, 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 his honoring his word. Thank God, and later in life, we redeemed our relationship. We had a pretty good relationship by the time that he passed away. I share that to say this. God has always been faithful. Several years ago, I was leading a men's ministry at Gateway, sharing my story. At the end of that series of teachings on manhood, uh, the men said, we want to honor you tonight. And at the end of the meeting... They brought out a 410 shotgun. And they gave it to me. And inscribed on that shotgun, You are the Father's Son in whom He is well pleased. He will never, never turn away. Today, many of us come from many different stories. Many different situations. As a matter of fact, Exodus says that the Lord is jealous over us. And he said, I'll visit the sins of the forefathers to the third and the fourth generation, but I'll show loving kindness and mercy to the thousandth, to the thousandth generation of those who love me. Today, there's a choice in our midst, really. There's a choice to carry the curse that's come to to us from our fathers because every one of us have received it. There's not one perfect father in the world. I'm not a perfect father. 
There's a curse that's come to us. And we've got to be able to be bold enough to take that curse, that wound, that hurt, that pain into the presence of God and let him heal that. But there's also a blessing that's come from our fathers. I have a blessing that came from my dad in spite of everything. He was a hard worker. He was a man. He's a man in many, many ways. And thank God I have that heritage and I carry that and it's passed on to my children. There's things that I had to cut off and plant anew in my family. And I could only do that as I received the grace of God and then begin to hear the Lord and begin to plant his purpose in my family. And today I'm glad to say my son's serving the Lord. He's, he's part of the Hillsong Church in Los Angeles. My daughter and son-in-law are both a part of Gateway Church. And I thank God for the heritage that I have. I have a grandson who's already preached at the age of seven in children's church. There's a legacy that follows me now that didn't come to me. But it's because of the redemption and the law of grace and the love of God. Amen. I want to ask you if you would to take a moment, bow your head and close your eyes. Today I ask you to do that. Simply for you to be able to look into your own heart, your mind, and your soul. I want to ask you, is there a place where you look into your heart and your soul and you see an orphan spirit? You see one that's been orphaned through the pain and the difficulty of life as it's come your way. And today you crave the love of God. You crave a change in your life. Maybe today you're here and you've never met Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The reason that's so important is because there's only one way to God the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. And today, wherever you're at, in your pain, in your hurt, in your disillusionment, in your quest to be a better man, the pathway to that is through Jesus Christ and through His promises. Today, he's not here to put a yoke on your life. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The thing is, as you step into the grace of God and the love of God and you begin to step into the purpose, specifically to you men this morning, as you step into the true manhood that's only defined in the kingdom of God, you'll find yourself flourishing and growing in so many ways that you never could have imagined so today if you're here and you say pastor bobby my heart is not right with god my heart is wounded i need healing today or maybe you're here today and you say i need to come into a relationship with god that i've never had before you're that person would you just simply lift your hand nobody looking around just me lift your hand thank you others as you come today to christ thank you don't be ashamed. We're all in a place, yes. We're all in a place many times where we need God. We need God's grace. You're not a bad person to need the grace of God in your life. You're just simply an opportunity for God to show himself strong. Anybody else before we pray? Father, I pray for these that have lifted their hands and others who haven't. As we contemplate our hearts today, I thank you today that you declare over each one of us you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. Father, the, the affirmation that you put upon us today is the declaration of your love and your grace. And so I pray for every person here today 
that you would draw them into a closer, intimate relationship with you, that you would heal hearts, that you would heal the wounded. God, that you would cause men to rise up and be bold. Lord, that they would shed the past and gain the future. God, that they would move forward with confidence toward you, to hear you, to declare you, to demonstrate you in their homes and in their families. Father, I pray your blessing on this house today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want all to stand if you would. Pastor's going to come. Ministry team's going to come. Today, if you need ministry or prayer, I want to encourage you to come and step out. Men, you received in your seats a little thing called the Father's Blessing. This is just a tool to help you. You can put the name of your son or your daughter in there. You can say, I proclaim that that Paxton is surrounded by the favor of God. Everyone that looks upon Paxton acknowledges that he is the seed of the Lord and he's been blessed. Lord, I thank you for pouring out your spirit upon Paxton, upon my seed, and upon my offspring, that the generations to follow us will be a spiritual generation and have a godly heritage. You can just use this as a source of prayer, a source of ministry to your children. God bless you. Thank you for letting me be here, Pastor.